Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Quickly into the Ashley Five Floors text line, and then we'll get Louie to Russ to comment. Uh, we'll start with this text. Bob, somebody has to deal with Giordano. He injures players. And Mike texts the show and says, Bob, I like Giordano, but he stuck his leg out to impede. It was dirty. I do think the replay shows he tried to avoid using the knee. Original tent was, I believe, was there. And he needs to be taken to the woodshed Saturday night from Mike. And Drexel and Victoria says, Bob, how come... Kachuk's brutal two-handed on Leon in overtime isn't getting talked about. It was uh, vicious. All right. Well, there was a lot going on last night. We had a kicker of a game, and we are going to bring in our headliner today. For touchback safety, your safety's their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, he was down on ice level last night. Louis DeBrusque. Hey, Louis, how you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. I know. I'm, we... lo- I'm loving the chatter already because there's already more building up the game for Saturday night. So. <laughs> now, are you doing that one too? Yeah, I am doing that one. No fires have been put out, which I like to see. And uh, there's some stuff that could boil over and carry over into the game Saturday again, which, you know what? Again, just makes for great hockey. All right. So tell me what it was like. Uh, you're down at ice level in the warm-up. And look, we're up on the seventh and seven and a half floor for the broadcast, eighth floor for this show. Uh, we have a little bit lower perch for the actual games. Uh, you're down there. How much chirping and chattering was going on before the game? There was a lot. There really was. Zach Ronaldo was, you know, pretty much skating the line like you do in the olden days. You know, skating down the line, looking over their side, making sure you're making eye contact. He had a conversation with Cassian. Darnell Nurse and him had two or three exchanges where Darnell went right over and even actually crossed the red line a little bit to talk to him. And, uh, you know, and what would what would he say to him? Would he say you're irrelevant? You play six minutes a yeah, night. You know, there there was a little bit of a a swagger to his chirp. You know, that's kind of what he was saying. But at the same time, you know, Ronaldo's one of those players that's going to try and get into your skin. He's a physical player. He plays on the edge. It's why he was injected into the lineup. And he was just trying to set the tone earlier that listen, this isn't going to be an easy night. And Darnell was like, listen, you can say whatever you want. It's not going to change anything we're doing. I love it, though. It was old school. I, I really had the feeling being down between the benches, like this could have been a 1985 or 95 game. It was like, 
it just had that feeling of an old Battle of Alberta where you knew things were going to happen. Everybody was watching. We wondered if they were going to do it or if they were going to not do it because George Peros was in the stands and people were had a microscope over top of this game and were watching it closely. But, you know, who thought Nugent Hopkins and Monaghan would get things started? But once that fight happened, I knew that was going to be a trigger for another one. And sure enough, I do think Matthew Kachuk challenged Cassian right off the opening. Well, I think he, well yeah. first shift when they were on the yeah. ice together. Second, shift he wanted to go. You know, he yeah. wanted to just he wanted to get it over with. He wanted to get it done. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've been in that situation. I understand that. And Cassian kind of wanted to let him wait a little bit, and then finally, when he had had enough, he said, "Okay, let's do it." Spirited scrap. They both got up. I think it almost was a little more respect for each other after that. And uh, but the game never really lost its chippiness. There was a lot of little stuff that happened behind the whistle. Uh, behind the play, sorry, after the whistle, going to the benches. And uh, you know what? It just was great stuff. I'll, yeah, I had to be on your toes down there the whole game because you never knew what was going to happen, especially when players were crossing, trying to get to the respective benches. There was a lot of stuff happening in front of me. So uh, I, I know we discussed this back in the 15th of January because I mentioned at that stage. It wouldn't surprise me if they ended up going, I'm going to put another one at you. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. When they play Ottawa? It wouldn't surprise me if Brady Kachuk fights Zach Aston. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good point. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I yeah, mean, I just – yeah, I saw I, him throw around P.K. Subban the other day. Well, there, hey, there were a lot of guys cheering for – there were a lot of guys, as you know, in the league, there was a lot of guys cheering for Brady Kachuk well, in that one. I think, you know, um, you know, that's not P.K.'s strong suit for sure. It's not something he does a whole lot. Yep. I can't remember the last time I saw him in a fight, to be honest with you. But – Brady Kachuk is a bigger version of Matthew. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's... He's, he's going to be a force. He's going to be he, like, hey, Matthew Kachuk's a force. Just back just back to Nugent. So you're sitting there because it happened right in front of you with the Nugent-Hopkins-Monahan oh. thing. And and Monahan uh, got the early jump on Nugent-Hopkins. And then I used the line, Louie, in the show. I said, <laughs> you know, Nugent's got an older brother. And it looked like the little brother, because he's giving away some size there. And he knew what he was doing once he got his hand free, eh? Well, and the thing that I love, well, he's fought before. We saw him fight. Dan Hamhuis, he fought. I think yep. it was his first fight in Vancouver. And Hamhuis is a scrappy guy. He's a solid dude. Yeah. I mean, Nugent Hopkins isn't afraid to fight. He played in the dub. You know, he's seen it. He respects it. But, you know, that's just not, again, not his game. But I love seeing guys get out of their comfort zone. I love seeing guys push it to the edge. Monaghan, the same. This is his, That was his first National Hockey League fight. That was the third for Nugent Hopkins. But you're right. Bigger guy Monaghan gets the, gets the, the go-ahead. But what I liked about it is when they separated, Nugent Hopkins took three hard strides to get right back into the fight. Like, he wanted more. It was like, okay, you started this, and I want a little bit more. I don't think Monaghan expected that much of a pushback by Nugent Hopkins, but... I guarantee you both of those players will have more respect for one another. It's amazing. You go out there, you battle, cross-check, slash, drop the gloves, and you know what? Now they're looking at each other going, okay, I know how far I can push you, and you know how far you can push me, and it just, it's, just the, it's just the lay of the land. It's how it happens out there. That you, you figure things out in games like that. But one of the things that I said on the air last night was whenever there's something that happens in a game, even with tough guys like Zach Cassian, Kachuk, it's an isolated thing between those two players, but there's a trickle-down effect to the whole team going into that game. There would have been some butterflies for guys that, you know, maybe are on the, you know, not necessarily the most physical guys, but know they have to ratchet their physicality up. And you could see that. The, the prime example was Monaghan and Nugent Hopkins fighting. It does trickle right down your lineup, and every single player in that game was ready for that. I thought it was a terrific game. I really do. I think it was a great game. 
It was awesome that Edmonton tied it up and pushed it to overtime. But I, I was happy to see them fight right to the end. And listen, I went to the skills competition, and it can go any way. But it was a real, real solid game. I think the last two games have been fantastic between the two teams. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Louis, again, this happened less than 20 feet away from you. Uh, do you think uh, Nygaard broke his hand on that shot block? Cause, Didn't look good. You know yeah. what? And, I, and it's amazing It's because Jeff Merrick asked me about it on the panel in between periods. I was on the panel last night, too, and he, he, he had mentioned to me, but when something like that happens and I'm just getting out of the way of players getting by me, a lot of times I'm more focused on not getting hit with a puck or a stick, yeah. and I just kind of let him go by me. I didn't really understand where he had gotten hit with that shot. And then when they showed the replay, we did a little replay of it afterwards, and it didn't look good. You know, yeah. he was he was favoring wow. that arm the whole way. So anytime you take a solid puck right to the arm or hand area, it's usually not good. And the fact that he didn't come back doesn't bode well. Yeah, and that's that's what I mentioned today. All right, uh, we got to give credit where credit's due. So Kachuk takes the fight, and look, it's not like and I said earlier in the show, like Rudy Postcheck. When you were in a fight with Rudy, it was a punch-in-the-face contest. It was nonstop. You knew that. I, I fought Rudy and Tootin back in the day. We played together with the Rangers, but I fought him when he was with San Jose in an exhibition game. I think it was a neutral site game, too, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been in Vegas. And he wasn't banana peeling out there after two punches? Oh, no, 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 no. He That, that guy never banana peeled. It was, it was, you know, he wanted to stay in the fight the whole time. Um, you could yeah. cut. You could cut him though. Like he was a bit of a bleeder, but that's because he'd put his chin out there and let you hit him. And it just... was kind of deceiving, though, right? He he would he 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 had the face. He didn't have to look to see who the tough guy was. You knew who the tough guy was just by looking at him. But the thing with Rudy is that just because he was cut, it was like the MMA fighters. It didn't matter. It didn't stop him. Didn't phase him. He didn't care. He just kept going. He could throw both hands. His hands were mangled, too. Uh, you know, if you ever have met him off the ice, like his hands just from throwing those punches, his fingers don't curl the way back. I mean, he's he suffered some damage over the years, but that was the cowboy style that he fought with and a lot of guys fought with back then. It was all or nothing, and he was one of those guys. He was a tough customer. You know who fights all or nothing? He plays for the Flames. Sam Bennett. What? Yep, he does. I agree with you. When he's chucking, he's chucking for, for, for real. He's not messing around. And... Uh, you know, look at that fight he had with Darnell Nurse last year. Yeah. Darnell Nurse is, you know, he's developing into a real strategic, smart fighter that just, you know, can punish <laughs> you if you if you get in the wrong track with him because he's smart at picking his spots when to open up. He's got that lanky reach. Uh, but Sam Bennett, that, I was talking about that hit in the first matchup between the two teams last year. Yeah, I got it all started. He absolutely blew up Darnell Nurse, and I I gave Nurse a lot of props for getting up and finishing the shift. He told me yesterday before the game, he said he was out of breath. It did knock the wind out of him, but he didn't want anybody to know, so he stayed on the ice. That is tough. I don't know if you've ever had the wind knocked out of you, but you think you're dying. for So for him to be able to stay on the ice and finish the shift... And then the next shift go right out there and fight him. I'm just like, that's you know, that's old school. I love that stuff. Only hit by a 260-pound reigning heavyweight champion of the NHL knocking the wind out of me. George. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In non-contact. <laughs> okay, he allegedly was 260, but he might have been 280. Well, I was allegedly <laughs> 225, but it was probably closer to 235. Yeah. All right, Ludog. So, uh, we had this awesome game last night. I was going to say, we've got to give credit where credit's. David Riddick was fabulous for Gallagher. He was. He was first period ex- especially. First yeah. period especially. I thought, that, I thought the first half of the period, Edmonton was a step behind. I just think they were getting their legs going after a long break. 
the Flames have played the night before. They were the quicker team. They were on pucks faster. They controlled the play. But then around the midway point, you started to see Edmonton open up a bit, start to get chances. And then they started to take it to the Flames a bit. And if it wasn't for Riddick, it would have been a different game. I truly believe that. I think yeah. that he, he closed the door in that first period. I know he let some goals in throughout the game, but that first period really set the tone for his team to understand that he was having an A game. He was just seeing the puck really well. And let's not you know forget Mike Smith in that game. He made some terrific saves. Terrific saves. Like I'm talking that one on Monaghan on the blast in the slot that he got a big chunk of that almost crossed the line. The Derek Ryan breakaway shorthanded. I mean, those are terrific saves. Those are just... Those are game-breaking saves. I mean, that you could you could credit him with getting a point too. Like that, his play allowed sure. them to come back in that game and get a point. High, high event game for Leon Drysaddle. He set both those guys up, Monahan and uh, Derek Ryan. I mean, the Derek yeah, Ryan. You know, he telegraphed I, that Derek Ryan pass for. I mean, it was. I called it sloppy. You know what? Here's the thing: that the power play, in my opinion, got outplayed by the penalty kill, and I think yep. that that hurt in the three straight power plays they had in the third period. They were hungry, they were tenacious, and I just don't think Edmonton moved the puck quick enough, number one. They weren't moving their feet enough, and there was too much individual. There was one rush up the ice where Dreisaitl almost undressed everybody, and then, you know, McDavid did what he did the one time on the entry shoot and walked right in there and had a little bit of a shot on net, but they're just, they just weren't, they weren't in sync you know it's just one of those those games where the power play just wasn't in sync they weren't moving the puck they weren't tiring out the penalty kill a couple of times they did actually get them to be stationary shots were blocked shots hit a stick and riddick made saves so it's just i think those three power plays in the third period was where they could have won the game and but i think it's also probably where they lost it louis we have some breaking news involving a team in the pacific division Kevin Kurz is reporting from San Jose. Tomas Hurdle torn ACL and MCL in the left knee, out for the season. Oh, that's just that's a horrible injury, you know. And I just, you know, for Tomas Hurdle, he's our number one centerman right now. Logan Couture out. Yeah. So that's just, uh, you know, what that team has had. It's, you know, you might as well get it all out this year. They're a team that's perennially. They've been in the playoffs for what? I, I think, still. Twenty-one years. I still am not prepared to write them off. No, yet. I know. I, you're so true. You know what? So right. Like, they're a team that seems to find a way all the time. But I think this is this. mounting up a little bit too much for them. I really do. I think age is a factor. It's catching up to them. Yep. I think injuries obviously are taking a huge toll on them. When you take your top two centermen out of the lineup, I don't know how long it is until Couture's back, but I still think he's got a couple of weeks, maybe three. Yeah, um, it's it, those are huge hills to climb. That I just don't think with the departure of some of the players over the last couple of years, especially a guy like Joe Pavelski, I don't know if they're deep enough to do it right now. Hey, but hey, they might be moving some. They might be moving some people at the trade deadline. It might be one of those honestly rebuild times for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, well, uh, the Oilers, uh, Ken Holland saying uh, on Oilers now, a week ago Friday when the, he was down in Tucson taking a look at Tyler Benson and Evan Bouchard and their development, uh, that the team's performance would dictate over the next uh, 8 to 12 games sort of the course of action. Louie, i gotta, I got to ask you here. You need the Maple Leafs to make the playoffs. You know why that is? Why is that? So you can work the Oilers-Calgary series if they end up playing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I'll tell you, we almost had it a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs. Yes. One game away from being a battle of Alberta in the first round, they ended up playing San Jose instead. But, yeah, you're right. If it starts right now, it'd be the battle of Alberta, and that would be you know must-watch TV. It would be just outstanding to see those two teams go out in the playoffs. But uh, there's still, still a long ways from now until yes. the end of the year. I, I, I mean, I, both teams are just concentrating on getting in. Yeah. I don't think anybody really cares who you play in the first round nowadays. It's a matter of just getting in there. Yes, there's obviously some teams you would love to avoid if you can. 
But once you get in the final dance, it's like, okay, just just you're going to have to go through good teams anyway, so it doesn't really matter. All right, I'm going to ask you a question here. Um you know, Jake's playing in Boston right now, and he had to kind of prove it a bit to play the entire year in the American Hockey League as a 20-year-old after playing the Memorial Cup against Matthew Kachuk as a member of the Red Deer Rebels after getting traded from Swift. Kyler Yamamoto's kind of had to prove it. And we've got a couple texts here saying, Bob, right now Kyler Yamamoto is the order's fourth best forward. Based on what we've seen here since he's been recalled, the nine games, uh, Louis's got four goals and seven points. He's plus six. He's on the ice. He's one, he's one of the four forwards that they're using uh, out there in uh, in overtime on three-on-three. Three. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, I, I, I can't. You know, I almost think we're underplaying it a bit. I don't think, we, you know, we've, we've established how much of how important he's been coming up to the team. Uh, I know we've talked about him a bit and we've given him a lot of praise in that regard, but it's allowed them to keep Drysdale and McDavid separated. That's how much of an impact he's had. Nugent Hopkins' game has turned absolutely around yeah. now that he's playing with Drysdale and Yamamoto. He looks like a completely different player. Like it's, it's just opened up the door for Dave Tippett to have two strong lines. There might be some shuffling, I think, from here and from here and there around, but I, I, that line for me right now is untouchable. I think that line is a line that I would absolutely keep the way it is because you've got two centermen now that are established and playing well just makes them a much a much harder team to match up against i think riley shan's really taken a step forward too with archibald they've developed an amazing yeah, history those two he well, I, I didn't like his game he looked like he hadn't played hockey for 10 days riley shan like yeah he had i mean there was a little bit early especially i thought later that line started to grind it out a little bit and that's when they play their best but as of the last 10, 12 games, they've been really, really good for the Oilers. Um, Kara got some more time up there once Nygaard went went down, and I think that's a line also that, you know, I thought Dujar Kara had a little extra bite to his game last night. I saw a couple cross-checks after whistles. Twice he went in there and separated Ronaldo from guys. I don't think Ronaldo wanted anything to do with him. He's a big, big, heavy guy, but I just like the fact that he was he was engaged and he was active in those scrums. Like he's a big guy and he's a solid skater and he can play. But if he can add that dimension to his game, it's got to do. It's got to get more involved. Yeah, it just makes him a completely different player. I think. All right, uh, hey, great stuff, Louie. We'll look forward to. Uh, so, you're, are you doing tomorrow's game as well, St. Louis? I'm not. No, I'm going right to right to Calgary. All right. Well, we'll see you in Calgary. All right, my man. Sounds good, bud. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, that is Louis DeBrusque. It is 12:51 in Edmonton, where guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. We'll take a timeout. Get to some of your texts. This is Oilers Now live from Rogers Place. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. You know, if you saw Robert Plant in like, I don't know, mid-70s, and then saw him again in the 1990s, you don't understand how a man could put on 40 or 50 pounds. It just comes with the territory. It just happens. Brendan, just... Try to avoid it. Yeah, I'm going to try my best. Man. I'm trying to make good habits now so that it doesn't catch up with me later. I, I played hockey with a group of guys called the Primetime Barons, and they were 15 to 20 years older than me when I was 20. I was on their team, and, uh, you know, they were good guys, some of them really successful businessmen, and uh, they all warned me. They said, with your frame, you're going to pack it on if you don't watch the diet. 
And, you know, it's amazing when you have a broadcaster's diet, which consists of, you know, Baileys and coffee and sports energy drinks and uh, chicken wings and steak. It's amazing how that adds up over time. All right, uh, 1255 at Edmonton. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We can tell you that you can follow Oilers now on a great road trip to the terrific city of Chicago. Oilers play the Hawks in March. This package includes great lower bowl game tickets, a welcome reception with yours truly. We're going to have some special guests there, tours of Wrigley and Soldier Field. For the Oilers now, Chicago Roadie, call New West Travel 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. You want to know how good that game was last night? It's on right now again on Sportsnet. And instead of working on my book for tomorrow's game against St. Louis, I'm re-watching that game. There you uh, go. Uh, this text says from Mark, Bob, what are the Edmonton Oilers waiting for? Call up Benson. Neal is dragging down uh, uh, the Oilers, Connor McDavid. Bob, says Brian, the director of NHL officiating, was in uh, the building last night. Do you think Holland has a sit-down and points out some of the non-calls? I, I think that, you know, that discussion happens throughout the course of the year. There was a really good one. Bob, you didn't ask Louie about the Giordano Neon Connor. Louie and the Sportsnet panel, uh, including Burke, had an in-depth conversation about the dirty move by Gio. There you go. Uh, again, you can text us at 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Where was the one from Oilers GM that had me laughing? Did you see it, Brendan? Uh, we'll have to see if we can find it. Uh, anyhow, keep texting the show. We're going to go off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back for Canadian Power Pack, Brian Burke. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.